you are beautiful, you are so strong, you're amazing. Like Every day of life is a blank sheet of paper. More happy days in our lives. Small, small changes. You had to just be with life. To really practice mindfulness. I am not my thought. It's not easy, but it's very simple. If you put those two things together, you know, the sky is the limit. Hello, my beautiful human beings, and welcome back to another interesting, delicious episode of Intuitively Rich, a podcast, a place where we talk about everything life, mind, body, and spirit, and everything that life contains. Today, we have a wonderful guest, Wade Galt, and welcome, Wade, to the show. Thank you so much for having me today, Annie. I appreciate it. If this is a question I love so much, and I, I started to ask recently to the guests. If there was this three to four minute commercial about you, advertisement, radio show, blog post, whatever, what would it say about you? What do you want listeners to know about you? Well, I'd say about me, I'm less interested that they know specifically about me, but what I'd want them to learn that hopefully would help them is that life is short, and if we make time for the people that are most important to us, for the activities we enjoy most, time to live life, um, just be present with people, uh, do the work we love also, and time to pray, meditate, yoga, uh, have fun, play soccer, football, whatever it is, just do everything that we enjoy. It's possible to do that and still work and contribute to society and make a big impact in the world, uh, but it doesn't have to be a choice. I love your answer. I love your answer that already started with bringing the value to the listeners. I personally have, um, it was a challenge for myself um, when I gave birth and also have had a child because before I all, I already made time for everyone and everything. And at points I had to sit down and think like, do I, do I have too much time or am I just making a good effort to do everything? But when I had a child and a husband, it got even challenging. So for me personally, I found this way to like have two days in one day to just like start early and have two to three days in one day. And then I could still manage to do everything that I love. But majority of the people are not able to do so. And as I hear people talking and there's no judgment from me, I, I just, what I observed is that they always say, I am busy. I don't have time for this. I, if I tell them that I'm learning new skills, I wish I had time for that. And what do you think about it? What, what is busyness? Uh, is it that we truly don't have time? How can we, whatever you just said, how can we make time for everything that we love? Is it even possible to live that rich life and the full life that you just are talking about? Sure. Well, th there's a few things that are variables that, I mean, if, if we're talking to you know, people all around the world, there's a few things that are realities also. There are people that have financial situations that do make it more difficult. I happen to live in the United States. I was raised in a family that's done well financially. And so certainly there are situations where people would say, hey, you know, I'm not making a certain amount. I need to make a certain amount to pay my bills. So that's necessary. But part of that equation, no matter where you are, is, you know, what are you investing money in that maybe you don't need? And is it a situation where perhaps if some of those things were less invested in, you could have more time? So for example, regardless of where you are, what your income is or how the money converts, Anytime you buy something, usually you're going to need to work a certain amount of time to afford that thing. 
So you're really not investing the money, you're really actually investing your time into something. And so first of all, a lot of people will invest their money, which in essence is their time, in things that are not the most important to them, but because either they're easily influenced or they want to feel a certain way and the marketing for this product is promising them they're gonna feel a certain way, or they're trying to keep up with their friends who might also be trying to keep up with other people. So first of all, part of it is there is a, there's still a budget. There's still reality of math. You've got to be able to pay your bills, but at the same time, there are a lot of people that'll feel like they're struggling and don't have the time, as you mentioned, but they're investing in so many things that's causing them to be more busy than they need to be. So if you can live within your means, whether you work four days a week, five days a week, six days a week, whatever it is, then you can more likely enjoy the days off you have and be fully present. Whereas if on the weekend, you know that you have so many things to do at work on Monday and you're so behind on your bills and maybe it's because you've overspent. It might also be because you're not earning enough, but then you can't really enjoy the weekend. You can't even enjoy your time off because you're constantly thinking of something else. And so even if you're trying to do something else, you're either usually working really hard or you need a release. You need to, as some people say, some people say, you know, work hard, play hard. And, and sometimes that can be a good balance. But for some people, what that means is I'm working at a job. I don't like my job. I'm making a certain amount of money. And rather than living below what I make, I'm going to spend what I make or more. And so now I'm stuck in this job because I can't afford to quit the job or do something else. I can't afford to take three months off or six months off or a year off to learn a new, you know, a new job or a new vocation. So a lot of it has to do with, first of all, how people spend their money before you even look at, um, you know, how many hours they're working, a lot of it is just, are they living within their means or not? And that's true regardless of what a person's income level is. And then there's the other part of, do people really want that free time? Some people don't work less because they can't think of something more fun or enjoyable to do. Some don't do it because their life outside of work is unsatisfying. They're, maybe they're fighting with their spouse or their family, or they don't have a lot of friends that they're excited about spending time with. And so it's just more comfortable to stay at work. And then another group of people just has had either pain in life, maybe they've had abuse or whatnot, and they just don't want to stop uh, working, doing, because then they might have to think and process what's happened in life. So there's a lot of, so there's sometimes very surface reasons or very simple reasons like, oh, I didn't think about it, two very deep reasons of, wow, I've had a lot of pain. And if I stop working, um, you know, that's my sort of healthy addiction. I'm not engaging in, let's say, drugs or alcohol, but I'm in, you know, I'm in my addiction and I'm numbing, um, as some people might say, I know Brene Brown talks about this a lot too, if, you know, I'm numbing by just simply overworking. And if I stop that, then I might have to feel things I don't want to feel. So it, it really depends on the person. How did you yourself develop this views and understanding of what we were just talking about? Because whatever we teach, we had to learn as well. So what was the process of your learning and when, where did you start and where are you right now? Obviously, this wow. is a broad um, topic, but the, uh, you will obviously share the most valuable things right now that you feel in your heart that this unique interview needs. So that's what I mean by, because it's such a broad topic where you were and where you are just right now. But in the means of what you just answered to, me the, que to the question, like where, where, where did you get this awareness of all of those things? Because we have, we have to start somewhere. Yeah, thank you. That is an awesome question. Um, so first of all, I'm very blessed. My father is an entrepreneur and my mother is a very wise woman who reads on spirituality and psychology. And so I grew up with both of those influences. 
And a lot of these things I knew in my brain, but I'd not yet lived them. And so also being a father and at times noting that I was working too much and my wife would say, hey, you know what, we, we you know, I'd like you to be more present with the kids. And even as much as I'm aware of it at times, just getting involved in work uh, as, you know, as the main breadwinner in the house, because that's what we chose to do. My wife uh, has a master's degree, but we chose to have her be the stay-at-home mom. And so that pressure of, okay, I need to make enough, and am I making enough, and I'm not sure as an entrepreneur, uh, sometimes would cause me to overwork. Sometimes I just you know, take life too seriously or work too much and become grouchy and not able to be fully present and to enjoy what I need to do. And so for me, I also had the experience of watching many of my father's friends. When I was about uh, 15, 16 years old, my father and a lot of his friends were doing very successfully in their businesses, even more successful than they thought they were going to. And I got to see, because I was friends with a lot of, the, of the, these uh, people's kids, I got to see that money, as a lot of people have said, is just an amplifier. The people that were happy continued to be happy, and they simply had maybe some more abundant experiences. The people who were not happy, the money did not fix that. And so it became clear to me that money was more of a nice thing to have. It's important, obviously, to pay bills, to feed, to, to, you know, and that sort of stuff. But it wasn't the answer. It wasn't the key to happiness. And so also what I also saw was a lot of entrepreneurs that would be really busy when their kids were young, not intentionally, but just because they were growing their business. And then the entrepreneur would kind of, let's say, maybe they were working 60 or 70 hours a week when their kids were young. And maybe when, let's say, the kid is 14 years old, the entrepreneur finally gets to working, let's say, you know, 30 or 40 hours a week. And they say, oh, great, let's hang out. And the kid's like, yeah, but you kind of missed the last 13, 14 years of my life. So it's not as, it doesn't flow. It almost feels forced. And, and the parent is saying, gosh, I really missed out on this window. And then to add to that, usually if we're in, a knowledge economy or, you know, we're in the information age, or now it's going to the attention age, and there's all, you know, transformational age, there's different things people call it. But long story short, if you're an athlete, if you play a sport, over time, your performance will, you know, it'll decrease because you get older. But if you're in a any sort of intellectual or uh, inspirational job or into, you know, anything like we do, you're usually gonna get better over time. So then I'd watch these entrepreneurs and they were making so much more money later so here they were so afraid about not having enough money when they were younger so when the kids were there they didn't have enough money and they didn't have enough time and then by the time the kids were getting ready to go to school they had more than enough money and more than enough time and so instead of having this patience and trust that okay i'll get to making a lot of money later or maybe i never will maybe i don't have to as long as i can enjoy the experiences and so for me i just got to experience that having time with people is so much more valuable. And there's, there's very few experiences that I can think of that are my most, you know, my happiest life experiences. Most of them are outside of work. Most of them are, are with friends or with family. Uh, and I do have some inside work and I enjoy my work. I very much enjoy my work, but it's still for me is not even close to the experiences I've had uh, with friends and family and doing things I love. So for me, that's just so much more important. You mentioned something very interesting. Um, so many people have the life that seems to be perfect, the life that we are in all, and we we think that they have it all. They eat and the fame and the love, and they end up overdosing or dying or just being unhappy, unfulfilled, and not enjoying their life. 
if you could just tell us and talk to us more about how can we, and this is uh, true to for my life too. I have worked very hard and got very little results, but I have been aligned. I have meditating. I have been really aligning my mind, body, and spirit and done much less work than before. And I have got a greater result. So this happiness and fulfillment and enjoyment seems to be all interconnected. And it for me seems to come from like aligning ourselves. And when, as you said, when you get the awareness about this life and what is truly happiness and what is money, then we should start the inner work, as it seems to me. How do we start the inner work? And just uh, would love to share your own experience and uh, what do you think about this topic of aligning ourselves first? Sure. So a lot of this is stuff that if you do any sort of reading, you'll hear it at some point. And then sometimes, at least in my experience, you kind of have to live it to, to fully get it. First of all, if just even as a worker and just outright plain, simple, you want to you know work at something. If I'm excited about doing a job, and my competition is not excited about doing a job and i'm excited about the work and so i'm excited to study and to train and to learn and to develop and give my absolute best in the marketplace chances are i'm going to outperform them so there's there's just that that's very basic if you're excited about something you know versus somebody that's not think about how often we see athletes that are so talented and their teammates are like gosh i wish i had that person's talent but i don't and yet then there's the person that's working hard um, that loves it and it's a passion for them and it's a joy for them and they are aligned with you know with who they are and what's important to them. So I think first there's that, but then there's also, as you said, you know, if you look at the idea of body, heart, mind, spirit, if we're really aligned in something, it happens naturally. So something as simple as brushing our teeth. I spiritually or uh, on a spirit level, I believe I'm committed to the idea of having clean teeth. Okay, great. I know how to brush my teeth intellectual. Maybe emotionally, I either feel good about brushing my teeth, or, or at least I'd feel really bad if people smelled my breath if I didn't brush my teeth. And so I brush my teeth, I do it. Body, heart, mind, spirit, it all aligns, it's very simple. On the other hand, take a generic concept like making a lot of money. Well, I, you know, intellectually, I'd like to have a lot of money. Spiritually, maybe I'm, I'm conflicted. Is, is, is wanting a lot of money greedy or is it, you know, is it helping the world? Is it not? I'm not sure. So now I feel kind of I'm not sure I have mixed feelings about making money. So then I'll do some actions to make money to pay my bills when I have to. But then when I make too much money, I'll kind of pull back, as opposed to perhaps having hopefully a more integrated view, which says, okay, it is possible, it doesn't always happen this way, but it's possible to do work that impacts people on a high level positively and make money for it and get paid for it and feel good about it. And so I do that. So again, there's an alignment. It's more efficient. It's kind of like if you had a, a cart and there's four horses pulling it. And it's, let's say, body, heart, mind, spirit. If two of them are going one direction and two are going the other direction, the cart's not going to go very far or very fast. Whereas if everything is all headed in the same direction, I think whether it's God, the universe, whatever it might be, it's very clear, this is what I'm after. So I think when we see people that are at a high level of performance and success, and they are happy with it, not the ones that are struggling with it, but the ones who really are, they're just they're in their thing and they're in their flow. And you look at me and say, wow, they're doing what they love and they're making a lot of money and they seem happy. I just feel those are the people that they, yes, they have the talent, but they're so aligned in what they're doing and they're hard workers. Um, and that doesn't mean it always comes together. Some people are aligned and they're hard workers and they don't make a lot of money. That, so that's, I don't think it's necessarily that those two things come together. Um, but the people that aren't aligned and make a lot of money, 
very often they've pushed on one dimension, the physical and the intellectual, and they've really pushed hard, but their emotional and spiritual are out of balance. So eventually when they try to come back into balance, a lot of times the way they do it is either very difficult or if they can't handle it, um, you know, then they'll do some sort of way of trying to, again, numb the feelings. And somebody once explained to me the, I forget who it was, their understanding of addiction was when you try to take something from the wrong dimension to fulfill a need. So for example, if I'm thirsty and I drink water, thirsty physical dimension, I drink water physical dimension, that can meet my need. But if I'm emotionally upset and I drink a beer, a physical thing, it's not going to fix the issue. And so people who are addicted very often, they just keep throwing more of something that's not of the same dimension. So it, it can't, it, it just, by definition, it can't meet it. Um, and so you find a lot of people, I think, that they're looking for emotional fulfillment or spiritual fulfillment, and they're buying more things. You literally can't buy enough things. It'll, you, there, there's no number because it's not the right thing. It's not the right, there's a, there's a mismatch there. Um, and so from that perspective, I just think when you're aligned, there's more of an understanding of when do you need to perhaps slow down? When are your spiritual needs being met? And not spiritual in the religious sense. I think you and I both know this. Just more in the sense of your, your spirit, your heart. What I mean, your spirit, your, you know, your passion, what aligns you, your purpose. And when you're missing out on that, it's easier to be uh, aware of that and connect. If, you're, if you've experienced having body, heart, mind, spirit alignment, even, even in 15 minutes of meditation, but if you've never experienced that, if you've never slowed down enough to do that, then you almost have no reference point to say, oh, this is what it feels like when, when I'm calm. And even though my bills aren't paid or, or they are paid or I don't have the job or I do have the job, I'm still happy to be alive. I'm grateful for where I am and life is a gift. And like experiencing that, if you've never experienced that, it sounds like a bunch of nonsense or it sounds like an escape. Um, but I think the most aligned people can have that centeredness that comes from, let's say, meditating or yoga or whatnot. And then go out into the real world and then hustle and grind and do the things they need to do and then come back in and get center. I think it's a balance as opposed to, um, you know, having it all happen at once. I love uh, everything that you just said. And especially just hit me when you said, when we need one thing and we give another uh, healing medicine or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, when we need the one thing and we drink the beer or whatever it is, that's such an amazing way uh, to put it. And it's just so easy to understand why we do certain things. For example, if I'm a person who I'm listening to you and this conversation and I'm like, uh, and I believe busy is a reflection of priorities. That's what I call busy. But if I'm a person who wants to have a better life, who just decided to listen to this interview, but it's like searches for all the reasons why he cannot do the same. He's listening to you and she's like, oh, he had a father and a mother. And like, no, this guy lives in Florida. I live in this, I don't know, in this part of the world where you don't make that much money as you make in the US by simply being a cleaner or working the McDonald's. So he searched for all the reasons why he cannot do it. What would you tell her or him where where should the person start where when they seem not to have all these opportunities around them well i think there's a few things i think first of all to say that yeah it's real there are certain things i i was born into a family that things were easier you know over twenty-two thousand people will die today of hunger and preventable diseases but i want to I'm say that, that 
it's your life might have been easier, but you used those opportunities. Well, right. Well, here, here's the thing. Well, there's two parts. So first of all, yeah, certain things. And, and, and I have friends that have opportunity that aren't taking advantage of them. I know people that have less opportunity that, I have that are taking advantage, that are taking advantage of it. My simple question that person would be is, well, first of all, number one, my situation in a way is irrelevant to their life because me being happier or, or less happy isn't going to make them happier or less happy. So, you know, sometimes people get mad that other people have you know, are successful. It's like, well, that doesn't, that, that's just me being mad or happy that Lionel Messi makes millions of dollars a year to kick a football. That's not going to make my life better or worse. So on one level, there is a little bit of a, look, there's a reality, get over it. Um, but the other part is to say, well, what's going to make you happier? Is it going to make you happier what you're doing? Or is it going to make you happier to start spending your time doing the things you enjoy? And even if you don't change jobs, just to even look at how you spend your time right now, like the free time you have, a lot of people have free time and it's going primarily or 80% into you know, sitting around watching TV or watching TikTok or watching YouTube. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if it's not getting where you want to get, it's, you're just going to keep getting more of the same. So again, whether or not, to me, the question of whether or not life is fair or not, I'm not smart enough or wise enough to answer that question because I don't know what happens after. I'm not God. But overall, I do know that if a person watches TikTok all day, unless they're a TikTok expert and, and makes money off of that, chances are it's not going to help them. And again, that doesn't mean TikTok's bad. It's, it can be a nice, fun distraction. But a lot of it comes down to what is it, you know, what do you want your life to look like a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, or even a week from now? And do you want it to be slightly better? And for me, um, my aspiration is I'm, I'm, I want to be constantly growing. I'm extremely grateful for what I have. And I think that's important. And yet at the same time, I'm looking to grow simply because there's more I can contribute to the world. There's more I can enjoy. There's more I can experience. And I would invite any person anywhere uh, to consider that in their country, I'll bet you there's at least one, five, 10, 100 people that are in their situation or have their same opportunities and are doing something with them that makes the person happier. So it's not that they're doing something better where I can say, oh, they get a good grade or they make just because they make more money, they're doing better. Some people that are making money are not happy. Some are happy. But what do you want to do with your life? So again, my life is irrelevant the same way Lionel Messi's or LeBron James or the Spice Girls. None of that is, is relevant to my life. You know, unless perhaps, let's say I'm looking to them for inspiration to say, wow, if they can do something uh, and do what they love and, and, and make money and, and make an impact in the world, well, maybe that's something that inspires me. Now, all of a sudden, it's useful for me to look at people who are perhaps, um, you know, at a higher level of at least material success or abundance or different things than I am. But to your point, just because they're doing you know, well materially might or might not mean that they're doing well from a you know, body, heart, mind, spirit, overall perspective. And a lot of people that you mentioned, if we read their biographies, they have started in way worse situations than majority of us listening this interview. So for me personally, reading biographies of the people helps a lot. I remember when I gave birth, when I was a young mother, I was 20 years, when I gave birth, 20 years old, I was like, I was constantly searching for women who gave birth early and still achieved this big goals and success because I wanted to know that it's possible and it for me personally it motivated me to hear someone who gave birth in an early age and still achieved and had a family because it is so challenging to have a family to and um from a mother mother's perspective it's also completely different um 
you mentioned happiness a few times. What can you just quickly define what happiness means for you? Because so many people listening, um, they know the word happy, but they haven't defined for themselves. And obviously, we all have to define what happiness means for ourselves too. But I would love to, to listen to your perspective. What does happiness mean for you? Sure. So there's, like you said, definitely happiness is a word in English. We use it to mean a lot of things. Like if you look at the word love, we use the word love. We love a cheeseburger. We love our spouse. We love, uh, and you know, there's nuance to it. Um, first of all, there's the word happiness. There's a thing I heard Deepak Chopra say once, which I love. And he talked about bliss, which is actually a more accurate definition of what I'm trying to describe is bliss being your default state of contentment regardless of what's going on. So I'm, for me, I, I want to be a blissful person. I say happy because a lot of people understand that. And some people think bliss is like, yay. And, and at least mm -hmm. from that definition. Uh, so to me, default is, first of all, your default state is, is huge as far as whether you're happy or not or whatnot. But in the generic sense, happy. And then there's fulfillment, which is, are you content with what you have over the long run, whether or not your life is exciting and, and, and amazing and dramatic. And of course, if you've become a, a parent, or if you do anything for a long period of time, there's less excitement of, oh my gosh, what's going to happen next? And there's more of hopefully that contentment or that enjoyment of going deeper into a process and deeper into a relationship, deep, deeper into a role, let's say as a parent or a spouse. But for me, happiness is, is really, I try to keep things practical. Do I feel like I'm doing what I should be doing? Not should in a moral sense, but like, what I'm meant to do? Do I feel like I'm doing what I'm meant to do? Am I enjoying the process? Does it feel natural versus it feeling forced? Do I feel comfortable where I am? And, and am I laughing? I mean, for me, laughter is a huge one. If you're not laughing, uh, I wish you laughter. Uh, but to me, laughter is probably one of the biggest signs to me of happiness. And um, being overly serious is probably one of the biggest obstacles we have to happiness. Uh, this idea that I'm so important if I if I don't do my job, the world will you know the, the world will stop. Or if you know like I have to like the whole world's depending on me. No, they're not. Sorry, there's seven and a half million or billion of us, um, and yet at the same time we all need to do what it is we do for our family and what or, or you know to make our pay our bills, or whatever it might be. But for me, happiness is just just enjoying the process without. Oh, this is a good one. This one of my friends told me this. He heard from an author of just being where your feet are. And you know, just right where you are. So if you're if you're in an interview, you're in an interview. If you're at work, you're at work. If you're with your kids, you're with your kids. Being where you are, being present with that, and being content and trusting just to experience what's happening in that moment. Because if you can do that, if you can have a happy moment now and a happy moment in five minutes and in ten minutes, and and then you have a happy day, and then that turns into a happy week, and that turns into a happy year and a happy life. I don't think it's much more complex than that. And there still will be ups and downs and there'll be deaths and there'll be things that happen that we wish didn't happen. Uh, but I think overall, it's just about some sort of combination of gratitude and being present and being able to experience, you know, what's in front of us in the moment. How do you uh, have you personally applied the being in the moment in business? Because my husband, he's an entrepreneur. And even today he was so anxious because all of the things seem to not work, but he's the person who always finds the way. He will, he, will, he will just, I don't know, write a new information and then use it. He's that kind of guy. And he was so anxious and it's normal to be anxious because he was he was seemed to hit the wall over and over and over again. And it's so easy to talk about it in life 
and I'm not saying that it's more challenging in life than in business, but how do you use that notion of be where your feet are, uh, just life will have its own challenges. How do you use that notion in business? How does it look like it's in action when you are building something and it seems to not work or a whole world and information seems to be against, against you? How do you look at it in the business aspect? For me, I've come to realize, I've been an entrepreneur a little over 21 years now, and put simply, a lot of what I thought would work didn't work, and some of the things that I didn't know were even possible worked, and some things I didn't think would work worked. So first of all, I have a very humble sense, because I've gotten um, my butt kicked, uh, I've got a very humble sense about how much I can actually know or not know. And so that puts me in a place to take things more to just be present where I'm in this sense. Um, I happen to believe there's a God. I'm not selling that idea. Uh, I, I can't prove it, but it's worked for me to believe that. Uh, and so for me, I am constantly looking to be present, to serve, to help people. It uh, doesn't mean I'm a great person. Other people do that too. I'm not unique in that. But I found that when I do that, I do very much believe in the world and certainly in the business world that there is some sort of karma. There is some sort of, if you do good things, good things come back to you. And you can't always measure to keep score or track the synchronicities or the coincidences and how it all happens. Um, but my understanding is it happens. So for example, when you, you and I both know this from the podcasting world, you know, the podcasting or an interview, it's not this direct thing of you have an interview and then you make a sale. It's more of this long-term game. You're, you're connecting with people, you're meeting people, hopefully you're helping people. Hopefully somewhere, yeah, maybe some sales come from it or not, or some something good happens or, so for me, a lot of it is just, if I'm, if I'm present with what's in front of me, then I can give that my best uh, effort. And if I give enough good best efforts in a certain amount of time, I'm usually gonna figure out a way to get, to get paid for some of them or to make, you know, in some sort of way. And in my case, the software business I have was not what I set out to do. So I have a, a small software business and for the majority of 20 plus years, it's it's earned probably about 80% of my income. And it was something that a customer suggested. But if I was so specific, and, and, and thank God, genuinely, that I was open at that moment to hear, I was actually, the business was doing so badly that I was willing to listen to anything. And if I wasn't open to hearing, I would have dismissed that idea and said, no, no, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do this, this, that. And I would have missed this huge opportunity. And so for me, entrepreneurship is a lot like parenting, is a lot like a marriage. I don't think you can, it's great to read other people's books about it. It's great to get ideas. And there are certainly worst practices. There's bad things you can do that are harmful, like yelling at your spouse or yelling at your customers. But there's, and there, and there are best practices, like, hey, make time for your spouse. Or, but there's also a certain point where the book just won't help you anymore. You've got to experience it. You've got to live it. You've got to do it. And it has to be your version of it. And so that's the part where, Eventually, to me, I can't really tell somebody who to be as an entrepreneur, because even the choice to be an entrepreneur, only about one out of 10 people in the, in the, you know, in the world marketplace, in the world labor force, only about one out of 10 people is even trying to be an entrepreneur. So it's already a, a journey that's not for um, the faint of heart or the people who don't want to you know, experience work. So when you're doing it, to try to tell somebody, here's what it's going to look like. I just don't find that there's so many variables in business that even if you try to copy what somebody else did, 
there's no guarantee it's going to work. So to me, being present um, has worked for me. All that being said, I know plenty of people who've been present and they've worked very hard and it didn't work out. So they went and, go, and they got a job. Okay, that's that's not a failure. If they're if they continue to be present and serve, and maybe then somewhere else, I'm thinking of a friend of mine. He's making so much more money. He has so much more support around him, and he's getting to do his gift. So he first thought that meant he had to be an entrepreneur to do his work and his gift. And then he was trying to figure out how to build the team. And he's like, but I hate the process of building and hire a team. I don't hate the team, but I hate the process of managing leads. I just want to do my thing. And then he eventually, because he does good work, found a situation where he gets to do his thing. And now there's a team around him and he's not an entrepreneur. So if he were, if he were obsessed with being an entrepreneur and the ego and the status, which again, for some reason it's, it's status today to be an entrepreneur, although, you know, an entrepreneur can make a lot of money and be doing well or, or not so well. Uh, but because he was open, he was able to now be in a situation where he does what he enjoys. He has a wonderful team around him. And, you know, so from that perspective, again, I think it's just being present. And I have a lot of trust in God, the universe, the divine, uh, that when we are open-minded and open-hearted and are listening for guidance, that we will ultimately find it. But I do think it still takes work. I don't think it's just, okay, here, have this stuff come to me. I think it is a combination of being open and then doing the work. I love a few things that you said, and I want to acknowledge them. The one that, and in my own words, as I heard you say, one is like, take control on whatever you can and whatever you cannot control. And I, I as you believe, in God and whatever we don't do, just do our part and let the God do their own part because we don't have control on so many things. We have this tiny control on what we say, what we think and what we do. Uh, also, I loved how you said uh, that we have, you have to get over quickly because I think that's one of the uh, most important um, habits to have to when something happens to get over quickly and not just like, because we think, our problems are so unique, as you said, and we are so important. And even this morning, uh, me and my husband had this argument, and I was seeing that we hadn't had this argument for a very long, for a long time. I was seeing that old patterns were coming up. I was telling myself as I wanted to, I was like, "This is just an illusion. This is an illusion. Like my life is so much better, and my mind just is focusing on this tiny window of how unhappy I am." It, it, I wasn't dismissing my pain, but there was no pain at all. It was just an illusion. So I love how when you focus on being in the moment and what works, your business. And I loved how you said that how you do like anything is how you do everything. So what kind of a father you are, that's what kind of a person you are in business, and that's what kind of a leader you are. You mentioned building a team. And I would uh, love, and you also talk about this notion of three-day uh, weekend uh, I would love you to talk to me more about that and also building a team because being your own boss, it's challenging to take control over ourselves, but then having this space and stretching ourselves to this point where we have the, we have to have the ability when we're building the team to then be kind of like a father, father figure, a leader to others. What does it take to build a team and what does it take from ourselves? To so I would love to talk to you about those two topics. Sure. So the, the three-day weekend thing for me is something that you need to keep on your radar if you want to see it, it happen. That doesn't mean it's going to happen right away. In my case, it took me 22 years from when I left, when I graduated college, it took me 22 years to become an entrepreneur that had a three-day weekend lifestyle. But it was something that was on my radar, perhaps not even as much as you know, at times it was more important, at times 
Um, us moving, my wife's from Peru, so at times us moving back and forth to Peru to be able to be around family as our kids were being born and, and growing up before they started um, school, you know, that was very important. So, you know, the three-day weekend was less important and that was important. So making that happen was very important. Um, but just in general, in work, we have this understanding. Let's say I make 10, whatever it is, dollars, rupees, whatever it is uh, per hour, you know, and I make, so I make $10 an hour in my first job ever. Well, I have an expectation that at some point I'm going to make 15 and then 20 and 25. Like I know over time my income is going to grow. And if it doesn't, let's say I'm an employee and I work for somebody and they won't pay me more, eventually I'll go look for other work. I'll, look, I'll say, no, you know, I, I have this expectation that I'm going to grow my income. And yet we don't have an expectation that we'll grow our free time. So if we just yeah, said, well, I'd like good. to also grow my free time. If, if, okay, so let's say in my 20s, I have, you know, I don't know, let's say a lot of people start working, I'll just use a round number, let's say 25. So if at 25 years old, I have one week uh, or two weeks of paid vacation, why not by 26 have three? Why not by 27 have four? And somebody say, well, wait, that's that that's very fast. Well, it depends. What are you being measured on? If, if you're an entrepreneur, you can first of all, you can make that happen. In some ways more easily, in some ways, it's more difficult, but simply because you can make enough money to afford to take the time off. And maybe you afford to hire team members to cover the, you know, when you're not there. And again, getting back to something we talked about towards the beginning, if you're not creating this huge lifestyle that costs so much, then you can, you know, work a lot less. So in our case, when one of our cars died, um, we were going to get a second car again, or replacing it. We had a second car. We we're going to replace that, uh, that second car, but I only used it once a week to drive to the beach. So we, you know, gave that away because it literally was a point where it was a giveaway. It wasn't even worth selling. And I rode my bike to the beach for two years, just on Fridays when I'd go play volleyball. And it was actually, I did it as a challenge of, okay, well, first as a physical challenge, thought, Hey, it's going to be $500 once for a bike instead of $500 per month for uh, a new vehicle. Um, it was also a little bit of a gratitude thing. Like I, you know, I would see people riding their bikes to work and thought, well, gosh, if they can ride their bikes to work, I can ride my bike to the beach to play volleyball. I mean, I can, I can handle that. And so again, this combination of keeping my expenses low, keeping an eye on that I wanted to have time to enjoy life and then focusing on how can I manage my finances, which is the combination of the income I earn minus the expenses. You know, how can I do that in a way that allows me to simply work less hours and if you're an employee, it's not very different because a lot of jobs today will have flexible hours to say, hey, well, as long as you can get a certain result, we need the result from you. If you can get that result in four days or in a week, or let's say if you say, well, my kids are in school and they're in school Monday through Friday, but they have summers off and you know, there's these 180 days when they're in school, those are the days I wanna work. Okay, and, and for women, my gosh, so there's so many brilliant and talented women who are mothers staying at home that don't want a full-time job, but they'd like to have, you know, three, five hours a day to do work because now their kids are in school. That is one of the most, and it's, it's finally being tapped into. That's one of the best markets to find really talented people. My wife is back doing social work three days a week for about four hours a day because she wants to, she wants to contribute. And so there's that part of just having an idea of, you know, what you'd like your lifestyle to be like, and not just including income and that, but including time off. So over time, all of a sudden, it doesn't seem so difficult to say, well, you know, when I'm, if I started at 25, but by 35, that, yeah, okay, so now I'm working to where I have six weeks of paid vacation or eight weeks of paid vacation or whatever it might be. Um, 
And then so as you're the entrepreneur and you say, okay, well, then how do I build a team around that? It's a very similar concept. You need to be focused on the results that your customers are willing to pay for, you know, of work that hopefully you believe in that's making a good impact in the world. And again, if you can keep your business expenses low, I learned a lot of entrepreneurs want to spend a lot of money because they're told if they spend a lot on paid advertising that they'll make a lot of sales very quickly. And my experience is you don't get to shortcut um, growing a business. It takes three to five to seven years to grow a business. And most of the things that feel like shortcuts don't work. Uh, if it involves um, charging your credit card for a few thousand dollars and hoping that sales are going to come back quickly, chances are it does not work because it's either high pressure. It's, I mean, if it was that easy, everybody would do it. And so if you're willing to have the patience, you'll reach a point in your business where let's say you're first starting as an employee and you're starting a side business. Well, the basics of, you know, when can I become an entrepreneur is, well, when you make enough money in your side business that you can now, you know, replace your, you know, this business. Well, a similar thing happens. Well, when can I start? Let's say I have a business and it depends on the nature of your business. Some businesses like, for example, coaching and consulting, it's very easy to have a four day work week because nobody really cares if you're there on Friday. Whereas in my software business, tech support, people expect tech support Monday through Friday. So that's a little tougher. So it depends a little bit on the nature of your business. But as you're growing your business, you can then reach a point where you say, okay, now I have a certain amount of income. Now I can start affording help. Now, 20 years ago, help meant you had to hire a full-time person. So you really had to make a lot of extra money. Now you have freelance sites, you have Upwork, you have Fiverr, you have all these different places where you can get really talented people for five hours a week or for a project or for 10 hours a week. And so it really just becomes about this micro experiment to say, okay, let's say I'm making the money I need to make and I'm making 10% more than that. Well, now I can invest that 10% in project work with a, a freelancer, an outsourced person uh, or a company that offers a service and buy back some of my time. And some of that time I might just enjoy and relax. And some of that time I might spend more doing high dollar work. And so the more I can invest my time doing the work that I get paid the most for, and usually that's the work that I enjoy the most, usually it's the work I make the biggest impact and really transform people's lives. Then eventually it just becomes this gradual thing where you start doing less and less of the things that are low dollar work or low impact work. You do what you do best. Um, and then you can just, but it, it can be a very gradual thing. It does not have to be, in fact, it should be a gradual thing because if you do it more gradually, then you can watch it month by month and say, can I afford this person? Um, sometimes you won't be able to, sometimes you'll do it for a while and it'll fail and you'll have to pull back and you'll still have to take it back because maybe you delegated too much. Maybe you delegated things that didn't even need to be done. Um, I did that with social media with my podcast when I first started, I had all these things being done and it was taking me about 10 hours an episode to produce it. And, and that was with help. I mean, sorry, 10 hours total. And I, I hired somebody to help do that. And she did a great job, but we were doing the wrong things. And so now it takes about four hours to produce one of my episodes full with promotion and everything. And I'm just about ready to start again, looking for somebody to, to do it for me because I pulled it back because I spent all this money um, on something that just didn't work as well. And I hadn't tested, I overinvested in hiring a team. I got too excited about just giving work away and say, oh, I don't want to do this, so hire somebody else to do it, as opposed to gradually seeing, okay, I just invested you know, $100 with this person this month. Did I then, as the salesperson in my business, did I generate $100 more because of that? Or did I just actually, now I, I might have, if I can afford the $100 and say, I just wanted you know four hours off and I paid that person 25 an hour, great. 
Um, but getting very clear and just every 30 days, every 90 days, just having progress. And again, just being present with what's in front of you, your finances, looking at your finances every month, those sort of things, they're, they sound boring. And admittedly, it's boring to me, but it works. So. I love it. I love how you just said that um, even like working nine to five wasn't like, it just was created not so long ago. And we have, as I hear you saying, it's like we have to ask the questions. How can I have more time? And we have to just ask the right questions. We just need to open ourselves and open our, our mind to the possibilities that it is possible. Because if we don't believe that it's possible, we are not going to get it. And we have to just, as you said, like detach from this tiny life that we have and look at it from like broader perspective that what is possible for me and I love how you said like if someone was doing it I could do it too if someone was riding a bike I could do it too and if we just like listen to the interviews like this or the podcast or read the books or hear the people who have done something extraordinary then we can do it too um I have uh, two more questions for you uh one thing that I really feel called to ask you is uh and equality inequality gender equality is a big thing but but I um think that um we talk about how it's challenging for mothers to um, be stay-at-home moms. And I was a stay-at-home mom when my son was born. Uh, we talk about how challenging it is to be a mother. And uh, we talk about men in a business aspect. But we, I don't think, it's my personal opinion, that we talk enough about fathers, like males and men, as fathers who also happen to be breadwinners and who also happen to have to be in this logical state majority of the time and then come home. I would love you to share a little more. How can we support men as fathers, as breadwinners? What should we be aware of? Because father's life is challenging too. It's not only mothers who raise kids and it just gets talked about more. And I'm guilty of thinking that my job is more important than my husband's job because simply I was a home instead mom and I was and I, and I understand it is uh, very challenging to be at home with a toddler or all day long, alone. But I want you to talk to me more about father's perspective and why, not in a victim mentality, but it is challenging to be a father too. It is truly challenging to be a father, a breadwinner, a husband. And what would be your advice for me as a woman, for other women, for men, uh, to how can we support men and fathers more? Sure. So I, first of all, I think getting back to just a real quick comment on the gender equality, I think sometimes we, we take equality to mean sameness. And I don't think men and women are the same. And that's not a bad thing. Okay. I, 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 you know, I think we have different dimensions that are more pulled from us. Naturally, there's certain things we're more, you know, sort of wired to do. And so equally from that perspective, important. Oh, and equally necessary. And if either one is mm -hmm. missing. So if you see, I mean, if you look at, for example, um, parent kids who've grown up without either parent, mother or father, you'll see that they're usually missing something. They're missing some. And, and again, that doesn't mean it's bad. Doesn't mean it's wrong. Doesn't mean if you're a single mom or a single dad, you're, you're messing up. It just means, okay, well, you know, if you're raising a child, how can you help them meet those needs because there are these different dimensions, yin, yang, all these different, you know, male and female energy and all these things. So as a father, I think, you know, I think of the, what my wife always says is she said the minute that she told me that we were going to have a child, that 
I went into my office and I just put my head down for about like two or three years. In other words, I, I saw the, I saw our child and I, I mean, I, but in other words, my seriousness level went through the roof. Like I was just so, oh my God, I've got to provide. I've got to, like all these expectations that I had in my head as far as what I'm supposed to be as a father and make all the money, be fully present. Uh, you know, in my case, I stopped playing beach volleyball, which was a very, which was not a good idea. That's my favorite hobby for exercise and enjoyment. I stopped doing that for six years. I became in a lot of ways resentful of the children, like, well, why am I doing this? And, and just overly serious because there was nobody telling me, hey, wait, whoa, just like as a mother, you're not going to get it perfect. You're going to do your best and it's going to kick your butt and it's a lot of work and it's hard and just do the best you can. That that's something that I think, men, we have a hard time with that because at least in, you know, at least the way I was raised or in, in traditional gender roles, the man's supposed to be able to be tough and not feel unless unless it's like a wedding or, or baby they go oh but other than that they're not supposed to feel you know sad or you know that that can be considered weakness or 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 uncertain and so when you're trying to keep it all together and this happens even as the owner of the business when the owner of the business is trying to do everything by themselves that's not a good recipe because they're trying to boss everybody around they're trying to tell everybody what to do instead of listening and having this flowing conversation well, when the, you know, the father, the breadwinner is trying to do everything and keep everything all together, uh, the same way if the mother is trying to just keep the whole house together and not and ever in any way share her insecurities, what she wishes she could do better, what she, what she needs support with. Um, I think that's something that as a father, I think it's so important to communicate to the mother, like what it is that you feel not more than not that you need in a sense of you demand, but like where you're feeling insecure, what you wish you could do better, what you're hoping to do, because you're not, you're not going to tough your way through it, being a father. And if you do that, you're going to miss a lot of opportunities because your wife doesn't need you to be a tough guy all the time. Um, your children don't need you to be a tough guy all the time. They need you to be somebody who's accessible. Again, body, heart, mind, spirit. And that's not easy. But again, that's where for me, when I look back and, and, and so much of it has to do with self-acceptance and, and more than just self, because self, I think self-love is awesome, but self-acceptance I think is even something slightly different. Self-acceptance is worth like, yeah, I love myself. That's great. But I also accept that I'm not perfect. I'm not this. I can look at, and this is a guy, this is difficult. I can look at my friend who let's say is making twice the income I'm making and still like myself, not love myself, but like myself and be like, okay, that's okay. And good for him. He's doing great doing what he's doing. And, and I don't have to even say, oh, well, he must be having a, a horrible life or he must be cheating on his wife or doing something or cheating his client. No, maybe he's just, maybe he's done it better than I am. Good for him. Awesome. Maybe I can learn from him and to be okay with, okay, I'm not going to do it perfect, which again is so much more accessible and so much more likely, by the way, to help you make changes. Because if you could be doing something better that you're not, it's better to face the facts than to be pretending that you're doing so much better. So a lot of it is just, I think, feeling enough. That, yeah. Sorry. Feeling enough. Yeah, feeling without enough. Without making and, and others not feel not enough. Without putting other people down, and just in anything, and and that's just you know, if you think about it, even in business, when somebody advertises and they put down their competition, it just sounds so, mm -hmm. you know, less than versus if you say, hey, here's what we do, here's what's awesome, here's what I'm all about, and and then as a father, definitely, probably the biggest thing I'd say is. You can make lots of money later, 
And as much as I'm not a fan of building up debt, if I have to build up debt to be fully present with my kids and my, I'll do that. That's a number on a piece of paper. I don't, I really don't care about that. And then maybe that, so some would say that's irresponsible. I'm not saying I'm looking to, I'm simply saying if I have to choose to, because sometimes not everything works out the way you want, but if I have to choose between, okay, I'm going to do my best to be present with my family because there are formative years. There are years when the kids are, there's, there's so much science behind it. The kids are more receptive and they need more nurturance and they need more affection and attention. And I've never regretted a single minute I've spent with my wife or our children, not a single one of them. I have regretted sometimes spending too much time on a project that didn't work out. Uh, and sometimes that's just part of being an entrepreneur. I mean, you just have to do certain things and some will work, some won't. But I've never been upset that I lost a sale because I went to you know a soccer game with my kids. And actually, I've not lost any because the clients, or and even if I lost one, I don't really want that client because any of the clients I have, I would just say, hey, you know what? Something came up. I know we had an appointment, but my kid's thing is going on at the school and they're playing their, their piano or whatever it is. So can we reschedule? I've never had a client say, no, Wade, you're an idiot. Why would you do that? No, I'm leaving you. I'm not doing business with you. And again, if they did, I, I don't want that person. So I think that so much of it is that trust thing. And admittedly, it's easy for me to trust because again, I've been raised in a family that stayed together. So I've, I've had a lot of my needs met. So I, what I don't know the answer to is, is for that person who says, yeah, Wade, that's great for you in January. I don't, I don't resent you, Wade, but my experience is, you know, a lot more hardship growing up. And that's why I happen to believe that God is so necessary. Because again, there's only so much my parents can do. And there's still things like I joke, I'm like, you guys messed me up. You gave me such a happy life. And now I'm not as driven as somebody who had an insecure, crappy upbringing, you know, so I'm less driven. Like, you know, you mean, <laughs> you can come at it from any angle. Um, yeah. But I think it's just, you know, a lot of the self-acceptance, which is is not always easy. Before I ask you um, my last question, um, I would love, I, I, I want to acknowledge you because when, as we are having conversation from the minute we started, I see you have thought through about all of these topics. And I, I see that you have really paid attention to your life and gained this awareness. And then whatever you learned, you apply to your life. And I see that you are living whatever you are talking. And I just want to acknowledge you for Thank just you. living your life the best way you are able to and gaining all these understandings and then be willing to share it with us. Is there any question or topic that you wanted to talk about and I didn't got the chance to let you talk about it or I didn't got the chance to ask you the question? Wow, I don't think so. You did, thank you. You did a phenomenal job. I love how we've touched so many different areas. The best bit of wisdom that I've, there, I forget how it's worded, but the idea, I know, well, Wayne Dyer said it this way. He said, you know, the universe is an abundant place. If you go to the ocean, you can bring, and you want, and you need water. He says, you can bring um, a small cup, you can bring a bucket, you can bring a dump truck, and the ocean's still going to be fine. So when I look at my life, there are times when I have felt, because, and in my case, perhaps because I've had it so well, I felt embarrassed, I felt wrong or selfish to ask for a lot from life. And so at times I've gotten less than I've asked for, or at least been open to, and I put that limitation, like I wasn't ready to receive it. And I think for me, one of the most important words in 
in at least in the English language is and. Now, I want this and that, not in a greedy sense, not in a demanding sense, but in a sense of I'm open to that. Why and not? why not? And you know, and if there's something better, I'm open to that too. So again, a lot of this for me is uh, an openness to something better, but acknowledging that we often put the limits on ourselves, And so I would rather have it be that the universe just says, hey, here's where you're supposed to be. And then it'd be me limiting it. Um, and so, yeah, so I just think just being open. And by the way, thank you. I, I love your interviewing style. I love um, your ability to connect on so many different levels. And I'm looking forward to seeing more and more of your interviews because I think, I think you do an awesome job. Thank you so much. And I love how you, uh, I have this calendar. This is one of the best gifts from my husband. And it's, I don't remember the name, but every day it has a quote. And one of the days it was like, yes, uh, you have, there you ask, basically it was saying that whatever you ask, you will be given, but you need to learn how to ask and how to receive first. And I love that the theme throughout our interview was like, be open and ask, because as you said, we are the limits for ourselves. If people are listening to this interview and they are like me, this guy is so awesome and I want to know more about him. Where can people find you? What do you, ha do you have any upcoming events or of course everything? I just want to know everything about you. Sure, the two best places to find my work are um, if you go to wadegalt.com, W-A-D-E-G-A-L-T.com, that has my books on personal finance, parenting, spirituality, and some of my courses. And then if you're specifically looking to get into the three-day weekend conversation, whether you're an employee, an entrepreneur, a freelancer, a side hustler, an executive, uh, you can go to threedayweekendclub.com. And there's a community there, uh, which a part of the community is free, and some of the resources there to help you start making the most of your time and your relationships and your money, your things outside of work and enjoying your weekends as much as possible. And then there's also a community uh, for entrepreneurs, and employees who want to go deeper and really start creating that three day weekend type lifestyle. And I will link uh, all of the links down in the description box. And this is my last question to everyone. Uh, what do you want to leave listeners with? It can be one word, it can be one sentence or two, just whatever just comes up on top of your heart, not mind, the heart. Believe. I love that. Yes, yes, we all start there. First, we have to believe. Thank you so much, Wade, for this amazing, insightful conversation that we had. And I really appreciate your time, your presence. I could feel that you're, you were where your feet was, and it was in this interview. And thank you so much for your energy, especially, and for your wisdom. Thank you so much for having me, Annie. I really enjoyed this. And thank you so much for the listeners. And until next time.